On this episode of the Hey Coach, It's Blank podcast, Dave Fight of Husker Max joins to discuss the other end of the media spectrum as a part-time columnist. Fight recalls how he ended up writing at the Grand Central Station of Nebraska Lynx, which led for the opportunity to be published by Sports Illustrated. That's coming up next on today's episode, presented by Bubbles and Blocks Child Development Center of Lincoln. Welcome into another episode of the Hey Coach It's Blank podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, and this week I am joined by Dave Fike, who writes for Husker Max. You can find his stuff at Sports Illustrated. You can find him on Twitter at uh, Fike Can Write. I'll let him spell it out for you. It'll be a little bit easier, I think. But I, I'm excited for this conversation because it's it's going to be different uh, than than a lot of them that we've had so far. Dave does this as as a part-time thing but his stuff is very visible and he's been doing it for a while and so i i want to i want to figure out how this sort of went from something he was curious in to uh you know a hobby to now you know he's uh he's up on sports illustrated i've never been published by sports illustrated so that uh that in itself is a conversation i'm looking forward to having and so i guess without further ado dave welcome into the podcast Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, and and you know another real quick thing here: if you ever need Girl Scout cookies, hit him up. He's got connections. That's the route that I went a few years ago. Uh, he filled me up with some lemonades and caramel delights and all of that good stuff. So uh, you know, if you if you need cookies, if you need Husker sports writing, it's kind of a one stop shop for you. It really is. I can I can do it all. Yeah. All right, Dave. So I, I, I'm fairly certain you've listened to at least one of these uh, episodes before. So you have a general idea of, of uh, where I tend to start. And so we're just going to do we're going to do that the same as everything else. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning. How did you get how did you get involved, I guess, in uh, sports media? And even before we get there, were you the kind of kid just growing up? reading everything you could get your hands on about sports and, and Nebraska and everything else, or did that come later in life? Yeah, that, that would be a pretty fair description. Um, you know, just to kind of set things up, I'm would probably be considered one of the older guests that you've had on. Um, so I grew up in the eighties. Um, we lived out in the sticks, so we didn't have cable. I maybe saw sports center like five or 10 times before I went to college. All right. Um, but, you know, we got the Omaha World Herald, and I would read the sports section all the way through, you know, Chattel, uh, I think it was Mike Kelly before Chattel was the columnist. Uh, they had that old voice in the grandstand where they published the, the letters from, you know, Sister Mary and all the other people who chose to wrote in. And then Did you ever through. write in? I never did. I was, you know, high school age and toyed with it a couple times. I'm like, nah, I don't want to put my name out there like that. Yeah, that was the same way. I remember reading that uh, growing up and being like, I have thoughts. I'm going to write in. My dad's like, no, you don't. No. We're, not wa- we're not wasting a stamp on this. We're not. It, I know your thoughts. They're not that interesting. So we're, you can, you can wait a while. I mean, that's legitimately with a real, <laughs> real conversation that I've had <laughs> one time. Yeah. I, I never got to that point, but my dad probably would have had the same reaction. Like, you just keep those to yourself. <laughs> All uh, right. 
So right away, you know, had a had a Sports Illustrated subscription that you know would show up every Thursday and would read it cover to cover. And you know, we went to one football game a year. That was kind of my dad's thing. He would get a tickets from somebody in town. You know, back when it was tough to get tickets, he would find them from somebody in town, and we'd go and make a day of it. And you know. Back when they weren't on TV every single week, it was a huge, huge deal. And, you know, that's where the, you know, and this is the beauty of this because I'm not media media. I can clearly say I love the Huskers. You know, this is my team. And that's where that love affair started was as a little kid going to games and just following a team that won nine, ten games every blessed year. And it was so great. So you grew up, you're saying you grew up in the 80s. You you follow the team. Who was like your favorite player when you were a kid? Oh, gosh. I was a, I have um, some pretty fond memories of the Steve Taylor era. Okay. Um, we went, my dad and I went to, I don't know how we got tickets for this, because the games we usually went to were like Utah State or Iowa State. You know, it was. Oh, man. Speaking was, my language here. I, not, I know this really well. It was not pick of the litter games, but somehow yeah. he got tickets for the 1987-88 game where it was UCLA when they were number two or number three. And it was the game where Steve Taylor threw five touchdown passes. And we were up, I think we were up in the south end zone and, you know, we were up high enough. He'd bring the binoculars and pass them over to me. And I was watching the huddle and, as they broke the huddle, Steve Taylor went up to Rod Smith and patted him on the butt. I'm like, watch, watch 88. They're going to throw to him. And my dad's like, whatever, you know, you don't know. And they threw, he did a little play action pass and he threw a bomb to to Smith. And, you know, that was the moment. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, I never want to miss another game as long as I live. And, you know, that's where, you know, Steve Taylor became a, a pretty big fan, a pretty big favorite of mine, but you know, just a lot of those guys growing in that era. Yeah. Your your story of, you know, growing up, you're getting to a game a year, if that, you're seeing teams like Utah State and Iowa State, and, you know, for me, it was Pacific and Baylor and Utah State. They, they seemingly played Utah State a lot <laughs> in the late 90s, early 2000s, and there's something that is lost in translation over the last few decades. And, and obviously Nebraska's success and lack thereof is a part of it. And, and I do think the stadium expansion sort of changes the calculus on a lot of this too, but there was something absolutely amazing about your dad coming home in the middle of the fall and basically being like, we got two tickets to Baylor. Yep. Your brother got to go last year. You got to go this year. Or, you know, I, I had an older sister, but she didn't really care as much. Or we, we assumed she didn't care as much. I don't know where she'd come down on this. But it was it was just like such a big deal. And it the was. thing is, you, you never went thinking Nebraska was going to lose. I didn't see Nebraska lose a game in person um, until I went to, I think, Iowa State uh, on a bus trip for the Seneca Wallace blowout game. And that was like, a, whoa. This this can happen when you're like right. you're, you're in person, you know, and so 
Uh, there's, there's just something about that experience that I do. I, I feel bad for kids today that they one. I mean, I feel bad they don't get an experience winning football. So we'll start with that. But there is something magical about like the rarity of getting to go to that stadium, of getting to walk through, you know, over the pedestrian bridge and seeing all of it. I I don't know how it holds up for kids today. I know I I have tickets. I've given them my um, brother in law, who's taken my niece and my nephews are going to go to their first games uh, this year with Louisiana Tech and and the other non conference game at home. But uh, I I do wonder because I, I think for for certain people and certain media members, when you grow up here and you didn't live in Lincoln and you didn't live in Omaha and it wasn't a guarantee that you were going to go to those games, there's something just weirdly special about you're at these like throwaway games, but it means the world to you. I wish I still felt that way when Nebraska plays some of these games now. And it's just like, there's a part of me that wonders if I could ever recapture that. And I don't know that I can, but I, do you, do you sense that? I mean, how how often are you getting to games during the season? I am, let's see, since I started college in 93, I have missed four home games. Okay, so you're getting to everything then. Yeah, I'm, and, you know, I had a, let's see if I can do the list real quick. I had a family trip my freshman year of college where my parents like, we're going to Minneapolis to visit your aunt and uncle. You're going. But it's Oklahoma. And okay, we're going. So I missed Oklahoma in '93. Um, I missed a Colorado game in '98 because the job I was working at, I couldn't get the day off. I missed the Rice game in '01 because I was on a work trip. Uh, so stupid Bin Laden rescheduled that game and mm. missed that. And then I missed. Uh, Tennessee Chattanooga in 11 because I had back surgery like the week before and my wife said you're not going I'm like I can do it it's like you're not gonna go sit on a wooden bench for four hours probably the right decision uh I could have done it but you know it's, it's one of those things that wasn't worth wasn't worth the battle so you're you're at the game like do you you feel similar to to sort of how I do that like not that not that it's ever old hat because when it's game day anywhere, there's something in the air and that's great, but they're just, I don't know when it was such a unique experience, when it becomes a thing that you can almost take for granted, do you, do you feel that way? Or is it still like every time you're walking through those gates, whatever gate you're entering in, it, it hits you the same way as when you were younger. It for the most part. Yes. Um, you know, were there times in 18, 19, 22 where I'm like, God, we're, we don't have a chance in hell winning today. I know we're going to lose. I know we're going to lose in the most painfully stupid way possible. But I'm here. And, you know, that's where you try and think back of, you know, all those years where you didn't have a season ticket growing up, where... The only thing you wanted was to be able to watch it on TV, let alone actually go like, okay, this is pretty cool. This is, you know, there's only seven of these a year. So let's, let's savor it. Let's enjoy it. 
that's a that's a great perspective that's uh it's an absolutely great perspective and someday maybe i'll rekindle that i guess a little bit and i don't want to make it seem like i'm not excited to go there on game days it's just this different feeling overall and, I, and part of that is i don't i don't view myself as a fan in the yeah. way that i was when i you know that basically ended for me when i went to the daily nebraskan and started covering the team uh in 2009 like that's sort of my like breaking off point and that doesn't mean that there wasn't still early on that sort of emotional connection to it but it just sort of is a a difference and i don't know if have, have you ever covered a spring game or anything up in the press box have you been up in memorial Stadium's press box the only time i was in the press box was when they did stadium tours after the expansion ah is that something you'd want to do would you want to go up there for a game i've considered it um because Tad Stryker's up there. It's not that Husker Max couldn't get credentialed. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things I've I've thought about going down and pursuing that, but you know, because it would be cool to attend practice, sit in the press box, you know, all that. Um, and there was a point five six years ago where I'm like, well, you know, maybe I could do this. You know, let's look into it. But you know, I'm, I'm kind of to the point now where I'm like. You know, first of all, giving credentials to an untrained hack like me is really disrespectful to the people who actually do this as their as their job. I promise you, you should not have that opinion. There are more than enough people that have credentials up there that qualify as untrained hacks, myself included. So I don't I don't know that you need to to feel that about the press box. And you know, also there's a little bit of a selfish part where. You know, it allows me to deflect some of the Twitter critics who think that I'm part of this evil media cabal that is hell bent on destroying Nebraska. Like, cabal, I like that. Jolt. You know, I'm I, gonna steal that. I'm just, I'm just a guy. The Cornhusker cabal. That's, that's what right. it's gonna be from from this point. <laughs> I, I, that's pretty good. I, uh, I like that. All right, so Steve Taylor throwing touchdown passes, growing up, going to to a few random games. You go to college in Lincoln, I'm assuming. I have that correct. Started going to started to go into games at that point. When did when did you develop uh, an affinity for writing? When did that happen for you? Well, uh, as a senior in high school, I wrote for my school newspaper. Um, Paul Paula Levine, who now is at ESPN. Uh, she was my editor and gave me it's, a sports column. You know, I think one of the best was, investigative reporters that ESPN has had throughout the years was your yes. sports editor. Yeah. That's well, incredible. She was the, the school newspaper editor. She, she had the whole thing. Wow. That's incredible. And she gave me a column really because I was one of the few guys on staff. Also, we were friends. So I had, had a good connection. I don't think I ever wrote anything Husky related that year, but it was pretty cool to have this little platform where, you know, I could have, I could say whatever I wanted. Um, you know, I got, and then graduated, went to UNL. I was trying to remember, I, I think Paula asked me to consider working for the DN, but even then I'm like, she is just in a whole different level for me. Any of the people working there are going to be different levels. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. You know, plus I was there, I started UNL at, in the fall of 93, so it was a pretty good time to be on campus and just enjoy everything that was going on. 
Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. So you... You you did that at your senior year of high school. Walk me through the timeline here, because obviously a lot of you know a lot of time has passed right. since your senior year of high school, and you I don't remember when exactly I first started noticing your work. I think I probably noticed you on Twitter um, before I I would have read something that you had written, and then that obviously had changed. But you when when did you sort of kind of pursue writing about nebraska even just in the the fan sense um as as you do now was it was it around the creation of of husker max did you do things before then how did this sort of come together there so i got laid off from my full-time job in summer of 2011 and so during that couple months that i was doing a job search i had a lot of free time a lot of pent-up energy you know, that was an era where everybody had a blog. So I'm like, well, I'll start a blog. And so one of the first posts I did was a preview for the 2011 season. And then um, I did a recap of the Tennessee Chattanooga game that I watched from home because I couldn't go to it. I was kind of mad. So I'm like, I'm going to write about this game. And I remember, you know, I wrote that up and... I published those on my blog and I know my mom and maybe like four of the people read it. And that was really the extent of my plan. I had nothing else planned with them. Like, you know, this is neat. And I would have been perfectly content to just write for myself and maybe a handful of friends just tucked somewhere in the corner of the internet. But my wife's like, what else can you do with this? You know, could you get paid for this? Cause you know, I'm unemployed at the time. And I'm like, Huh. Well, that's never crossed my mind. Let's let's look into this. And so one of the first things I thought was, you know, Husker Max and before that the old Huskerpedia site was always one of my go-to sources to get news. So that I would go there and click the links and I would read the latest Chatel column or see what Sipple was saying or anything else that was out there. And I knew they had some contributing writers, so I reached out to David Max to see if he had any interest in publishing my little Tennessee Chattanooga thing. I don't know if he liked it or if he just wanted more original content, but he took me on, and I've been writing for them ever since. So it just sort of started as a outlet for, you know, creative energy or something to yeah. do, alleviate boredom mix up the day a little bit and then pretty soon you're already kind of 
in there writing to an audience. Was that, how was that for an adjustment? I mean, to, to basically go from, okay, I'm going to kind of do this for myself or I'm going to do this to amuse myself to then you're, you're essentially writing for, and, and I'm not just saying this because I know my stuff has appeared on there too, but you're essentially writing for the grand central station right. of Nebraska coverage. Like, I don't, I don't know that fans or even Husker max users are aware of this, but it was always beneficial even before people knew what a click was or advertising had jumped on it. It was beneficial to get your stuff on Husker max because Husker max Huskerpedia was among the most viewed Nebraska sites. It remains among the most viewed Nebraska sites Mm -hmm. out there. And so, you know, you didn't just end up at like a, a random, you know, kind of like an SB nation type thing. And I don't, I don't mean that as a, as a put down of anything else. I just mean like you, you essentially ended up at a place where you're getting an audience. Like did, did you consider that at the time or did that thought come to you later? No, it, it, it definitely came to me later. Cause at the time I'm like, well, what am I going to do with this? And you know, I, I don't remember the timeline well enough to know if the SB nations and the other places like that existed then, but but yeah, it's, you know, the, the analogy I've used before is, you know, you know, like you said, it's the Grand Central Station of content. And so I'm just the guy in the corner with my saxophone just kind of playing and hoping somebody <laughs> will pop a corner at me. Oh, yeah. You're, you're Jamie Foxx out there, just the soloist? Yeah, I'm just waiting you know, for Robert Downey Jr. Jamie to come Fox, I'm just like some guy who found a, a saxophone and like, no. <laughs> I'm here, so let's do something. Let me tell you about Bubbles and Blocks Child Development Center of Lincoln. The Lincoln Choice Award for Best Daycare is actually growing right now. Expansion will begin soon at their North Lincoln location at 8521 Lexington Avenue. The expansion will almost double the size of their current location and will bring with it exciting learning experiences for kids six weeks to 12 years of age. It will also offer fun job opportunities for those looking to make a positive influence in the lives of kids. They offer flexible scheduling and a fun atmosphere. For more information, go to bubblesandblockscdc.com. Yeah, that's uh, okay. So this is 2011 and we're now in, in 2023. So obviously you're still writing for the same place. You're just ending up published in a, in a different area or same area, but in published by more people now in that time period early on, did you, how was it like receiving people's feedback? Because one of the things that you do, I mean, you're, you're essentially writing columns. Like you're not just writing. uh, So-and-so said this at a press conference, you know, you're not writing news updates. You're not, you're not writing features. You're putting your name, your opinion, your thoughts out there. And the thing about doing that is you're going to get someone else's opinion about your opinion coming right back at you. It's yes. like a, it's like a pendulum, you know, like you put it out there, it comes right back at you. What was that initially like? Because to, to sort of go from, you know, not writing much, I assume, to then you're doing the blog to then pretty quickly, you've got feedback coming at you. I mean, what, what was that sort of like for the first time? It's, it's been kind of interesting, you know, I, you know, I guess my perspective of myself is I'm not a very hot take guy. I, you know, I'm not, 
trying to be a Skip Bayless and just blast. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I'm not trying to blast, you know, these crazy things, you know, I'm putting my name on this. So I want to say things that I believe that I feel, you know, I, that I see with my eyes and feel with my heart. And for the most part, the feedback that comes from that is, well, I agree with this. You know, I have had some things where people are like, what are you doing? This is totally wrong. And, you know, for the most part, that's one of those things like, okay, well, that's cool. Write your own thing. Refute me if you want. But I feel good about what I wrote. You know, whenever possible, I try to back it up with some stats. So, you know, if you've got different set numbers, let's hear it. Did you, had you really participated in like message board community or... Um, cause I know, like I said, Twitter is sort of where we first cross paths because you've been pretty active there. And I know you're, you're active in, in other places right now, like the I-80 club and, and other things like that. But in 2011, had you spent much time in the Nebraska message board space at that point? Not a lot of Husker message stuff. Um, man, this is going to make me sound like I'm a hundred years old. Uh, but in college, um, I had an AOL account and I would go in AOL had like some message boards, you know, chat rooms basically. And so they were like college football centric ones. And so we would, you know, I would go in there with some friends and we would argue about, you know, Oh, the big 10 is just this horrible, boring conference and Ohio state's horribly overrated and Nebraska's great. Michigan sucks. And those sorts of things. I don't remember doing a ton of, I take that back. I take that back. I did get in the, the old journal star message boards. I don't, I don't remember those. Gosh, that would have been. Was that like, did they have like a chat function or something? They did. They this did in like the like, mid 2000s. This is probably like 09, 10, yeah. somewhere in there. Where, you know, Sipple and the two Brian's would post like a little blog and then you could go in and react to it. And I did frequent those. Um, that may have been one of the reasons I got laid off from that job. Who knows? Um, but that was, that was a, a good experience to just kind of learn a little bit about, you know, who this fan base is, especially in the online world. Um, and just kind of be able to flesh out some of my thoughts somewhat eloquently. Yeah. As as someone who who publishes with with Husker Max and they have a message board and I'm sure you've interacted plenty on there. I mean, did you did you immediately sort of take a liking to the sort of the message board, the the quick kind of reaction back and forth that you get? in these sorts of situations, it, it seems like you must because you continue to, to sort of be involved in them. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, again, for the most part, the feedback I get is mostly positive. You know, obviously you're going to find somebody who hates everything you do. And especially when I've been critical of underperforming coaches, I've gotten some, some dark feedback, but you know, it's one of those things where 
you know, I do write for Husker Max, um, and they're obviously a pretty known name, but I'm not working for a Journal Star or a 24-7 or, you know, any of those that have the obvious brand name. So I've always kind of felt that I need to interact whenever possible to kind of, man, I hate to say boost my brand because that sounds kind of. <clears throat> yeah, but you want to, you want to promote your writing. I mean, yeah, that's, absolutely. that's like, I, I understand that fully. And, you know, I, in some ways branding has been overtaken as this negative connotation when sometimes it's just as simple as if you're going to write for an audience, you need to spend time with that audience. I mean, I think one of the, one of the great things that I've experienced is just, you know, with the message board, if you get the feedback or if you write something and someone immediately disagrees, you can have a conversation about that and you right. can, you can learn from other people that, uh, you know, have completely different opinions, but you can learn their way of thinking. You can learn how they got to that thought process. You might come away with a completely changed opinion. I know that's hard to believe in 2023 that people can discuss things online and then leave with, with a different opinion than where they started. But no, I, I think it all, it all makes sense. It all is really sort of interesting to me because anymore, I think it'd be hard to be a media person and just completely sit on the sidelines. Like, I, I just don't know that it's, you, it's capable of doing that much anymore in, in the way that media is consumed and, and uh, published. It is. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why, I do try to be fairly active on Twitter and other places as, you know, as you know, the Husker market is so crowded, you know, there's only so much a person can read, watch, listen to in a day. And I do, I, I want my stuff to be read. Um, but, you know, I write for one of like 73 websites with the word Huskers in it. So I, I, I got to break through somehow. The thing is, you're not even really over-exaggerating. You might be undershooting no. at this point in time. Uh, that's actually, that works as a really good segue to this. Are you at all surprised now in 2023 how simple and easy it is to elevate your voice and become, you know, and, and it's not media. It's become like a Nebraska fan leader, like an online Nebraska fan leader. Have you have you kind of taken stock over the the last few years as to how these things have sort of played out? I have, and that's that's a that's a really interesting question. Um, yeah, because there's, you know, definitely within the Husker Twitter world, there are, you know, different personalities that you see that kind of have their own little tribes of people that will follow them blindly into battle, and you know, we've got to. <laughs> win this poll or shout down this person oh, yes, yes. or, you know, this thing that was said must not be, we have to avenge this. And, you know, and again, I'm, I, I don't want to sound like I'm putting that down because that's fandom. That's, that's what it is to be a fan. It's being passionate about your team. Short your for fanatical. Exactly. You know, or fanatic actually, but yes. And it's, so yeah, that's, you know, trying to build that brand, you know, is something that I do work for. Um, way back early in my Twitter life, 
I got blocked by Lee, Bar Lee Barfnick. Um, at the time, it was completely unwarranted. You know, I think that I had res responded to something and two other people got into an argument and it was clogging up his mentions. And I think he just had the heck with it and blocked us all. And for a while, my thought was, well, what the heck am I giving you my click or in his case, my subscription dollars if I can't read your Twitter feed? Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I have since convincingly and permanently earned a block from Lee, but that's a separate story. But I do try to apply that thinking to my Twitter account. You know, if I want people to read what I write, I can't be antagonistic. I can't be blocking everybody who disagrees with what I say. You know, I try to set up a pretty simple policy. If someone is, excuse me, you know, repeatedly being a troll, I'll mute them. If they get personal, they get blocked. But otherwise, you know, bring it on. Let's chat. Do you, um, how much media content do you consume? And I don't even, it doesn't have to be professional. Um, you know, it could be, you listen to like a half dozen podcasts or whatever, but how much content are you consuming each week? It depends. Um, let's, if you know, in a game in season, if I haven't written anything yet, if I haven't published anything yet, I consume nothing. I, I don't want to taint what I write until I publish. Cause Man, I feel that I feel I, that I 100%. want to be authentic to what I saw, to what I'm feeling. I don't want to be consciously or not, you know, paraphrasing something that you or anybody else said, you know, that's, not fair to you. It's not fair to myself. Um, but once I published, you know, I will read a lot of the post game columns. You know, I'm an old person, so I will read the newspaper columns. <clears throat> um, McEwen's Monday Rewind is a destination for me. Uh, try to catch a lot of the um, segments on a lot of the talk radio shows. Um, you know, there are certain reporters that I try to catch. I don't want to be a kiss ass. You're one of them. Oh, thank uh, you. But yeah, there's a lot that, you know, just to get those perspectives and those other opinions, um, try to save inform like that. I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. Obviously, this one is a clear exception to that. <laughs> but you know, I, I haven't gotten into the podcasting world, but... Again, that's just me being old. Ah, that's interesting. Do you mind if we explore that a little bit? Like, is it just, is it more easier for you to read, scan something, determine its value, move on, uh, than it is to, to know that you're going to spend 45 minutes listening to a couple people talk or how, whatever length of time? Yeah, it's, you know, for, um, let me think of a good example here. You know, pick any of the prominent Husker writers. If I'm going to pick up a column or an article they wrote, I know it is X long, and somewhere in there, I'm going to be able to pick out the important information. And I usually can do that within five, 10 minutes. Whereas a podcast, they may say a ton of interesting things, 
but I'm also going to sit through a lot of filler. And if I ever want to go back and reference something, you know, that is also a real pain in the neck to find that one. Figure it out, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it's really interesting. I I feel the exact same way you do, except instead of audio, it's video. I don't have, and there's there's a lot of good video content out there. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of bad video content out there, but there's just a lot of video content, and it's just not. I would so much rather read something, scan it work through quickly to figure out, okay, what's the, you know, what am I taking from this? Then watch a first, watch the, you know, ad clip and then turn around and however minutes to get into it. But you, you sort of nailed like the important thing with reading. I can always refer back to it and get back to it relatively quickly with Mm -hmm. the audio or the visual medium. You have to like know when exactly it was set. And if you know there's something that you thought was interesting in a podcast two weeks ago, and it was between these two people on this date, but you don't know what time, and you're just having to sit there and fast forward. I've been there before. Like yeah. I, that's a that's a difficult thing. I I can appreciate that. You know, there was there was something I was working on once, and I'm like, I remember saw I saw a clip on Twitter where Sipple said this in his pod with Kelly. And I wanted to reference it, and I'm like, I want to say it correctly, so let me see if I can find that clip. And bless their hearts, Sip and Callahan must do 16 podcasts a week <laughs> because I'm trying to scroll through each one. I'm like, no, he was wearing a different colored shirt on that one. Okay, let's try the next one. And, you know, it took forever to find it. I'm like, man, I wish you were just writing this down, and I could read it, find it, copy it, paste it, attribute it, and move on with my day. Jumping back around here, back to uh, to kind of what you've been doing for the last 12, it's going to be 13 seasons. I yeah. struggle with the math. Math is not my, my strong suit. But do you have a – is there like a favorite column that you've written? Do you, Is there something that you are really appreciative that you, you loved it when you wrote it, you love it now when you reread it? Uh, is, is there anything like that for you? Good man. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is, so it was last year, two years ago, whatever year they had those alternate uniforms that were the white, the camouflage, and they did the whole staging video. I think that was 21. Time. Okay. I think 21. Yeah, that's right. Because last year was like the 82 throwbacks. Yeah. And, you know, I wrote something where I'm like, Okay, yeah, these may look cool and the kids may think they're really neat, but why are we dressing up in camouflage? Why are we playing make-believe soldier? You know, camouflage in sports don't really connect. And it was something I felt passionate about, and I put it out, and I tried to reference some other sources to get some other perspective and... Again, it's one of those things I felt pretty good about. Got crushed for it. Why do you hate the military? Why do you hate Nebraska? Why the you don't understand? Like, well, it's my opinion. And if that's not your opinion, okay, that's cool. 
we'll, dis we'll agree to disagree. But that's one, and I'll have to go and reread it. But I, at the time, I felt really good about it, and hopefully it's held up. Yeah. For what it's worth, I, I do agree with you largely on that take. I'm also not the biggest uh, camo person in the world and all of that, but this podcast can probably <laughs> uh, avoid that and move on before I dig myself a bigger hole than I think I'm <laughs> capable of. But yeah, so you you get the opportunity to, to kind of uh, opine on these things. With, when you're when you're writing about different coaches, do you, do you have to like try to figure out, you know, let's use Scott Frost, for example, you remembered him as a player. You mm -hmm. grew up with him winning a national title. He comes back. He's supposed to be, you know, the savior. I mean, that's what it was. And it, right. it wasn't fair to him at the time. It's not fair to him now, but the reality was he was supposed to be the savior of Nebraska. Is it hard for you to write in such a way that you feel both good about it as a fan, but also from a fairness perspective too? Because, you know, when you're a fan, it's just, you can, I, I, I don't know. I feel like there's two different versions of me. If I'm talking football about Nebraska, it sounds a lot different when I'm talking football about the Vikings. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like it, have you been able to find that blend? I guess that you write about these people, about this university and this team. Yeah. And that's, you know, that is something that I've dealt with where I have written things. You know, I've been critical about Pelini. I've been critical about Riley. I was definitely critical about Frost. Um, you know, I've had a critical thought about rule. Also, I haven't put it out in the world yet, but, you know, I've had some critical thoughts and, you know, that's, I guess that's part of what I see my role is. Um, you know, when I was in school, Nebraska won 60 games and three national championships. I was in school for five years and never saw them lose at home. You know, I've seen that mountaintop. You know, I've been on the field when they tear the goalposts down. I literally had front row seats for a championship season. Um, you know, that is a heck of a lot more fun than losing nine games and talking about how close we are to a breakthrough. So one of the, one of the roles I see for myself is being able to say, yeah, this is great, but what if we did these simple things that, you know, could help us win more games, you know, we won the toss, but gave them the wind at their back for the fourth quarter. Why are we doing that? That seems like a simple thing. Why are we burning this time out here? You know, and again, that's, it's not personal. I don't, I don't want to go personal with a person I've never met, but it's just a, coming from a place of, you know, I've seen that pinnacle, you know, we can have the conversation that maybe Nebraska will never get back to a 16-3 run again, but there's no reason we have to settle for three and nine. Yeah. I think that's well put. <clears throat> I think that's well put. Do you, what was it like the first time that your, your byline was under the sports illustrated banner? 
What was that like for you? That was freaking cool. That was really, really cool. Um, so, you know, it was, gosh, this is like year two or year three. Uh, Husker Max signed a deal with the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. So, you know, I'll be real. It's essentially an SB Nation, one of those sorts of arrangements. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, I'm Joe Hack writer, Joe Hack blogger, who happens to be in the Sports Illustrated. But at the same time, it's pretty cool to say that Pat Forty and I are colleagues. <laughs> you, know, gosh, you guys meeting around the water cooler? Haven't we haven't, had, we haven't gotten together to retreat yet, but I'm, I'm hoping this year we'll we'll hook up. That's how I feel about Jim Nance. You know, yeah, absolutely. Appreciated the the welcome basket, but yeah, you know, I, I haven't seen him yet. So, what can you do? But no, for you know, for a kid who grew up reading Sports Illustrated, and you know, I can still tell you the names of writers that I looked forward to reading their bylines. Ooh, give us this is this is that kind of podcast. All right. Dork out here, sweet. Uh, see Lee Montville. Um, you know, I would. There was a stretch where the first thing I would do when I got a Sports Illustrated was open to the back page and read Rick Riley. Um, I'm a big Joe Ponsansky fan. Um, gosh, and there's you know, dozens more of yeah guys. I'm like, and it was it was interesting. I got to a point probably in high school or college where I would read something. And I'm like, I know who this is just based on the tone of what I'm reading. You know, I wouldn't look at the writer when I started the article, but halfway through, I'm like, okay, this, this is a Lee Montville piece. I can tell by the way it's phrasing. I can tell by the rhythms. Yep. Cadence almost, even though exactly. it's you know, not spoken, but it feels like it is. Yep. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Did you, you mentioned reading the, the Rick Riley uh reading that first even though it's at the very end of the whole thing when did you first realize you weren't the only person that did that i that's a good question i don't remember offhand i know it's like way more common than i would have known when i was a kid growing up in columbus and i'm doing that because it's like this guy but there's something about the columnist right like there's Mm -hmm. there's a reason you're in this role and you're not you know a guy who's uh doing like a news and notes thing on Tuesdays, right. you know, because you are really interested in, in kind of having a voice and using your voice to, to talk about something you really care about when what, like you're reading Rick Riley and it was just because 
he, you know, what, what compels you to, to kind of jump in there first? Cause I get it, but it's hard for me to sort of explain it too. It was, gosh, it's been years since I've read anything he's written, but you know, in his peak, it was, it was going to be funny. It was going to be something I'd never thought about something I'd never considered, or it might be somebody that, you know, was the biggest name around and it was something I didn't know. Um, occasionally it would be kind of, he would just get real creative and inventive with his style. And I appreciated that creativity. And so it was just, you never really knew what you were going to get, but it was definitely going to be one of the best things in that magazine. So, you, uh, what's, do you have any ambition wise? Like, what would you like to do next? Well, um, you want to announce a podcast right here? Hell no. <laughs> hell no. Podcast seemed like too much work for me. That's, you know, I, I, at one point, had an idea of doing something similar to this podcast. And my thought was, you know, I'm Joe fan. It would be cool to interview the Sipples, the Schaefers, you know, the BCs and kind of do what you're doing. But then my thought was, you know, I don't want to do a podcast because that's not a skill set I'm great at. I don't have... I don't have the desire to transcribe interviews or the time I'm like, well, it would really be crappy of me to send you a list of questions and have you type them out and fill them back. That's really lazy of me. So I'm like, well, I would love to know what your return rate on that would have been. Oh, it would have been poor. <laughs> I don't know that I'm doing that. I'm just it, being honest. I don't, yeah, it would, I don't know. Burned, it would have burned a lot of bridges that, I, I don't think you'd have burned bridges. It's been a lot of like, okay, what is this? Yeah, who is this guy? No yeah. way. But no, I, you know, ambition-wise, um, you know, I think back to something my dad said. Uh, he grew up doing a lot of hunting and fishing, and he was able to turn those passions into a really long career with the Game and Parks Commission. But he often said that his career ruined his hobbies. And that's, that's kind of something you mentioned earlier of, you know, you don't have that passion walking the stadium that you used to, you know, because for you, in the stadium at your office. Yeah. It's not the place where you get to go watch a game. And so I've tried to keep that mind, tried to be mindful of that. You know, I, I really enjoy what I get to do. I have this tiny little platform where I can share my thoughts and opinions on a team that I've loved my entire life. And I am kind of fearful that if I go more than that, it becomes more of a grind. Yeah. And it becomes something that I have to do as opposed to something that I want to do. It's good perspective. It's really good perspective. Also, I've got a wife and three kids and, you know, it seems like the only time I have to do things is like <clears throat> after nine o'clock at night. So that, ends up being a lot of late nights, which I don't mind, but, you know, there's also times when, gosh, I'd really rather just sit and watch TV. <laughs> Decompress. Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, we'll uh, we'll get you to that TV watching here in a little bit. A couple last things. How you feeling about this upcoming season? I will be thrilled with a bowl game. I'm not expecting it, but I will be thrilled with it. And there's, you know, I am more optimistic than I have been probably since 19 about the direction of the program, about the long-term prospects. But man, there's just a lot of question marks. You know, I think Sims, I'm intrigued by Sims. I'm scared by what's behind him if he gets hurt, when he gets hurt, because, you know, history says he will miss time this year. And even before the bets announcement, I was concerned about the receivers. I'm actually optimistic about the offensive line. Uh, that's something I'm hoping to publish in the next week or so. Um, but you know, defense, who knows? First year at the new system, I don't expect the 09 defense to come jogging out of the tunnel week one or week 10. It'll take time. And, you know, this is still a team that found new and creative ways to lose often for the last five years. They're not going to break that in, you know, one spring and one summer. All right. Hey, that was great stuff. That was great stuff. We appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining today on the Hey Coach Blank podcast. I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Another episode in the books with just one more episode remaining in season one. A big thank you today to Dave Fight for joining. A thank you for Bubbles and Blocks Child Development Center for being today's podcast sponsor. And of course, to thank you to Podcast House Media for hosting this program. We will catch you next week for the last episode of the first season of the Hey Coach, It's Blank podcast.